Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In today's special episode, we sat down with Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, to learn more about the energy revolution. How is the Chinese regime benefiting from the green energy effort being pushed in America? How are big oil companies rebranding themselves to get government benefits? And where does all this leave the consumer? Rex Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Tiffany, for having me. Rex, you just came back from an energy conference that kind of covers, you know, our green energy movement and maybe our dependence on China. What was the biggest takeaway from this conference? Well, the energy conference is uh, Sierra Week, and it's held every year in Houston, and it's the energy industry uh, overall. It's uh, renewable, uh, clean, green energy, fossil fuels. Uh, it's it's all energy, and it and it hosts some of the most powerful people on the planet. Uh, this year's uh, uh, speakers, for instance, uh, the keynote speakers were John Podesta, uh, Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, and John Kerry. Uh, a couple of years ago, as Mike Pompeo spoke at this conference, and the conference has all the uh, CEOs for all of the uh, energy companies there, whether it's utility, oil and gas, renewable, and so forth. Um, and uh, I got to sit in on uh, John Podesta's keynote address, and it was really interesting because um, uh, he's addressing the conference, which in the audience you have renewable energy CEOs and uh, fossil fuel CEOs. And um, he was talking about the uh, uh, green uh, initiative money associated with the Inflation Reduction Act and the omnibus bill, which came out to with both both uh, legislations, it's over $500 billion of taxpayer money that's set aside for green initiatives. He referred to that money, this is really interesting, he referred to that money as government-enabled investment, which meant that uh, uh, any company that was in the audience, including oil and gas companies like Shell, Exxon, and so forth, Chevron, um, could qualify for that money, money they, they could qualify for that money as long as they had investments in green uh, energy initiatives like hydrogen and so forth. And all of the major oil companies are doing this. As a matter of fact, they're rebranding themselves from big oil to big energy, uh, which means that they're gonna qualify to uh, get uh, part of that $500 billion uh, of Omnibus and Inflation Reduction Act money for green initiatives. And on that note, with the big oil companies basically rebranding, it seems we're seeing a lot of discussion and debate over, say, banning gas stoves. So how would this rebranding play into all of this? Well, you know, what's interesting is Chevron went from being Chevron oil to now they're Chevron, the human energy company, and all the other companies are following suit. Uh, if you notice that the Biden administration's uh, energy policy hasn't been very friendly to, to fossil fuels, and we've had high gas prices as a result, but yet we don't see really any uh, oil and gas CEOs um, in mainstream media or on shows really discussing the Biden administration's policies because they're qualifying for this money um, through that. So this means that the taxpayers are actually paying for this. Uh, so, you know, if, if there's a policy, for instance, that reduces the dependency on uh, natural gas for gas stoves, for instance, um, these companies would stand to benefit if that was replaced by hydrogen or another alternative energy form to replace uh, the gas stoves. So they're, they're in a position today where they're going to make money both ways. 
uh, because a lot of these uh, oil and gas companies are uh, investing in green energy pro uh, projects, big ones. And they have more money than anybody. So kind of like what you see in, in big tech, where I'll give you an example where Facebook knew that they were facing stiff competition from Instagram. Well, rather than compete against Instagram, they bought Instagram. We see this today with a, a, a chat, uh, um, um, with AI chatbots. Um, and uh, in regards to uh, open source, which had uh, chat GPT, uh, that has now been purchased by or invested in by Microsoft. So whenever there's a competitive technology out there, these these main these large uh, corporations, some of whom can be considered monopolies, simply just buy the competition. And I think we're going to see that in the green energy sector as Exxon, uh, Chevron, and uh, and other uh, energy giant, oil and gas giants become energy giants. And speaking of the green energy, it seems, you know, China has really cornered a lot of that market. So how did China come into play at this conference? Well, what's funny is uh, John Podesta, during his uh, keynote address, uh, mentioned that we need to decouple with China as we migrate from fossil fuels to uh, clean and green energy. Um, and he didn't really use a really good example because he said that uh, for instance, uh, there was a new uh, electronic vehicle battery factory that was being uh, built in the United States in Michigan. Well, a colleague of mine, Merle Garrison, uh, had mentioned to me that that factory was actually owned by a Chinese company um, in partnership with Ford Motor. And the factory was initially going to be built in uh, Virginia, but Governor uh, Youngkin didn't want the factory built there because of the company's ties uh, to China, and that uh, company is uh, CALT, uh, which is a Chinese uh, battery manufacturing company. So yes, he's right in one instance that, yeah, we need to bring jobs back to America, and that green energy jobs, um, investment in green energy in America will mean more jobs. But uh, in that one example that he used, um, uh, you, know, you know, the it's like reading the fine print of a contract. The factory was owned by a company from China in partnership with Ford. So you can say that Ford is building the factory, but in reality, it's a Chinese company. And it seems when we talk about the green energy, another part that often comes up with electric vehicles is lithium mining. And it seems there's some efforts to maybe start that production in America. I think Nevada is one state where that's playing out. So what yes. can you tell us about that? So the Green, green Energy Initiative in uh, Nevada is associated with Thacker Pass, and uh, it's a big, huge, it's going to be a big, huge uh, lithium mine. Um, and again, this was brought up not only by John Podesta, but Jennifer Granholm also spoke at Sierra Week. She also spoke at South by Southwest in Austin, which I covered as well, and I'll, I'll give you a little insight on what she had to say. But uh, they both brought up that, uh, that the uh, Biden administration is approving more leases for rare earth mineral mining in the United States, and lithium uh, is the new oil. Um, uh, but the other, the, the flip side of that is uh, lithium mines are not very environmental friendly. Uh, and there are protests not only in the United States rising up, but they're also rising up in Chile and other places around the world. Uh, and and you, you see one thing in common with these protests is that you have environmental groups uh, protesting uh, mining companies that are mining for uh, green energy, 
uh, and clean energy, uh, rare earth mineral mines like cobalt and uh, lithium. And what's going on in Thacker Pass, again, uh, you know, both of them brought that up as an example. Well, there's protests going on uh, right now um, with uh, American uh, Native Indian groups, as well as uh, environmental groups who formed together to protest uh, protest this, but yet you don't see this on TV. Now, remember the Keystone um, Pipeline uh, when uh, it was going through lands um, uh, that were owned by Native Americans, there were protests. Uh, and those protests not only were, are, were headline news in the United States, but around the world. Yet we don't see that same, um, uh, we don't see that same focus on these protests that are going on with these environmental groups or Native American Indians when it comes to green energy. But if it was oil and gas or fossil fuels, I could guarantee you that the Thacker Pass uh, protest uh, would be, would also be uh, featured uh, uh, na nationwide and you would see it uh, in magazines and newspaper uh, headlines as well as uh, featured on mainstream media. But you don't see that in this case. That was Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. And after a break, we continue our coverage with him on what U.S. energy policy should look like going forward. That and more in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. We continue our coverage with Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy. What should our U.S. energy policy look like going forward? And Rex, you brought up Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, and it seems she's been kind of praising the Chinese regime recently. So what can you tell us about that? So what was interesting is she spoke at uh, uh, in Houston at Sierra Week. So a week later, right on, I, I, it's, forgive my hoarse voice, but I've been on the road for nearly a month covering uh, uh, conferences uh, such as this. But I was uh, uh, right on the heels of Sierra Week was Austin's uh, South by Southwest, and it's huge. And they featured her as one of their keynote speakers um, on, on, I think she spoke on the first day or the second day of the show. And what I found surprisingly is when I went to see her speak, um, uh, she was actually being protested by another environmental group called the Texas Campaign for the Environment. And uh, I got to interview one of the uh, uh, campaign um, uh, managers for the Texas Campaign for the Environment. Her name was uh, Robin Schneider, and she was out there protesting uh, Jennifer uh, Granholm. And I, and, uh, and I asked her, what, what's the protest centered on? And she said it's the Biden administration's relationship with fossil fuel companies uh, regarding uh, liquefied natural uh, gas, uh, which is LNG products and, uh, and so forth, and how bad they are for the environment and so forth. And I asked her, I said, what do you mean? Uh, they're, they're actually, uh, the energy policies uh, uh, that the Biden administration have implemented have hurt oil and gas. She said, not in this case. Uh, they are moving those uh, liquid uh, natural uh, gas. They're exporting that in record numbers, and uh, and they were upset about that. So I couldn't really understand. Uh, you know, on one hand, you have the Biden administration saying how bad fossil fuels are, but they're supporting it. But that came to light um, during uh, uh, Jennifer Granholm's, uh, Secretary Granholm's. Uh, keynote speech at South by Southwest. After she was done with her keynote address, um, she allowed uh, members of the media to ask questions. I actually was in line, but our once I got up to the 
the microphone on one side of the room, it went out. <laughs> no. So that was a, a funny note. So I didn't get to ask my question, but another reporter who also talked to the protesters asked her about that and what their relationship was. And basically she said fossil fuels equal energy security, which was surprising to me. Um, and, uh, uh, and what she meant by that was that as we migrate from uh, green and uh, as we migrate from fossil fuels to, to green and clean energy uh, sources uh, and solutions, um, uh, we need energy security and fossil fuels give us that today. So she said, you know, she wasn't saying that they're all bad, but we need energy security and we need that for our partners around the world, which is why they were, uh, why exports of uh, LNG products are uh, on the rise uh, because our partners in other countries need energy security too. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, um, in Australia, they invested heavily in wind farms with the same uh, business model that we see here in the United States, meaning that the taxpayer, like if you go back to John Podesta's statement about government enabled uh, investment, that's taxpayer enabled investment. Well, they've done this in Australia and after a, a few years, the Australian parliament had a wind turbine report and analysis that's been published. And basically the conclusion was that it was a worthless investment and it didn't provide energy security. Uh, and and the, the, the cost to maintain the wind farm was so high, the report highlighted the fact that each wind turbine was over $500,000 a, a year to maintain. So each one, so if you come up on a wind farm and you see hundreds of these, you can multiply that uh, by uh, 500,000 per turbine to maintain. Well, that actually costs cost the, the energy prices to go up. Now, when initially when the government wanted to invest in the wind farms, they told the, the Australian taxpayer, like we're hearing here, oh, it's, it's more efficient, it's clean, it's green and it's cheaper. Well, in the end, it, uh, it, it didn't turn out that way. Plus, it, it's not as secure like we saw in Texas, where I think up to 25% of our grid in Texas is dependent on renewable and clean energy solutions, uh, such as wind farms and solar farms and so forth, hydrogen. Um, and uh, uh, during the Texas winter storm, um, uh, we saw that because of that dependency, our grid failed and uh, we had intermittent power outages out for over a week and it actually killed some people. Well, they experienced that in Australia, but yet at the end of the day, the Australian taxpayer paid for the wind farms and now they're paying higher energy uh, bills as a, a result. And this is happening in England regarding Grimsby, England. They built the world's largest wind farm offshore. And this was a report on 60 Minutes uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, where they also, they, they, they showed how good it was and it is good for the environment. But at the end of the day, the, the uh, UK taxpayer ended up paying for it and they were sold the same bill of goods. They, the, the taxpayer, they interviewed a few of the taxpayers there who uh, live in Grimsby um, and they, they were sold on the fact that it was gonna be more efficient and cheaper, yet today their energy prices are almost 20% higher. So uh, these are just some of the uh, uh, factors that uh, uh, that are going on there. Now, regarding China um, as well, what Jennifer Granholm said was a little bit shocking. She was in another interview. She didn't say this during the South by Southwest uh, keynote address, but she did uh, uh, appear on an interview uh, after her address. 
And basically, here's what she had to say, because she was asked about our, our dependency on China um, and is this good? Um, and she said, I think what China has done has been very sensitive and have has actually invested a lot of their solutions to achieve their goals regarding green energy goals. So we're hopeful that, you know, uh, we all can learn from what China is doing. And that is that's false. We all know that uh, most of China is dependent on coal um, and not green energy. And um, again, if you go back to can we decouple from China as well, that's almost an impossibility when you realize that over uh, 80, 95 percent of cobalt, which is a key uh, rare earth mineral um, that's associated, that, that's needed for lithium ion batteries, 95% of that's mined in one area of the world, the Congo in Africa. And it's mined by Chinese companies through the Chinese, China's Belt and Road Initiative. And over, even though you find lithium being mined all over the world, um, refining it is another thing. A, a lithium refinery is much like an oil refinery. It takes a lot of chemicals to refine it so that you can uh, use it for batteries. So the refining process uh, is also dependent on China, which means that right now over 65% of all lithium uh, flows back through China because of this. So we're dependent on China on those two areas. The other issue is that over 80% of uh, green energy or clean energy infrastructure uh, manufacturing for wind farms, and solar panels over, I think it's over 80% of that uh, is also coming out of China. So regardless of what Jennifer Granholm, Secretary Granholm had to say, and John Podesta saying we, we need to decouple, that, that becomes an impossibility when you realize how far ahead China is. Uh, we're talking, if not uh, 10 years, we're talking multiple decades before we can even catch up to China in terms of the manufacturing of green energy infrastructure, as well as uh, uh, the mining and refining of rare earth minerals such as cobalt and lithium. And given that in terms of catching up, what should the next steps be in the U.S. especially? Well, uh, you know, you know, my, my viewpoints on this is that we do need to migrate part of our grid to renewable energies. Um, um, and I, I think you're going to see a lot of that's going to be done through hydrogen. Um, and what was really positive about uh, the energy conference is you learn a lot there. It's it's five days and it, and it truly, how you know, it, it's a conference that is, uh, you know, uh, where you, you're going to see the most powerful people in the world there, not just world leaders, but the heads of these energy companies. And one of the things they're doing with hydrogen is they're able to go into a coal power plant and say, okay, it's 100% coal today, but we can actually retrofit this power plant with hydrogen and make it 50% dependent on coal in the future. And I think that's a compromise that we need. We can't go all in one direction. We've tried that in Texas and it resulted in uh, uh, costing people their lives uh, a couple of years ago during the Texas freeze. Germany saw this as well. Uh, the Secretary Wolfgang in Germany was also interviewed about Germans, uh, Germany's green, green initiatives regarding wind farms, and their wind farms have failed, but Germany went all or nothing. They started shutting down coal power plants and, um, and going full dependency on renewable and clean energy, and it cost them, and they've experienced deaths as well as a result of it. So I think, I think the migration needs to be done in, uh, in a sensible way, and there needs to be compromise. It can't be all or nothing. Like Jennifer Granholm said it herself, 
um, uh, fossil fuels equal um, energy security today. Uh, we can't stay on them, but it's energy security today. Um, and, you know, when I took that away from the conference, I couldn't believe she said that as well. Rex Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Have a good day. That was Rex Lee, Cybersecurity Advisor at MySmart Privacy. If you have feedback or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. Thanks for watching China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. See you soon.